Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode four of season one of This Osteopathic Life. Today we begin a journey exploring more deeply the tenets of osteopathic medicine. There are four guiding principles. I'll share them all with you at the beginning of each of these episodes, delve deeper into them individually, and look at some of their applications on a broader scale. Number one, the body is a unit. The person is a unit of body, mind, and spirit. Number two, the body is capable of self-regulation, self-healing, and health maintenance. Number three, structure and function are reciprocally interrelated. Number four, rational treatment is based upon an understanding of the basic principles of body unity, self-regulation, and the interrelationship of structure and function. So for today, we're going to explore the concept of unity. Unity of the body, unity of the person as constellation of body, mind, and spirit, and also expand on that concept and look at unity on a broader scale. This is perhaps the most well-known or maybe the most press-worthy concept in osteopathic medicine and not necessarily unique to osteopathic medicine. It can be found in many other concepts and theories and expressions and applications of the approach to human life and to health. But in osteopathy, Andrew Taylor Still, the founder of osteopathic medicine, wrote this down, explored it, and used it as a foundation of the teachings of medical care for patients. So the first perspective we take when considering this tenet of osteopathy is looking at the human body as a unit, as an integrated organism and being where there are no independently functioning parts. Everything is working in concert, in cooperation, in collaboration. No one body system can be affected for better or for worse without some impact on the rest. And this came about and was held sacred in response to the common practice of isolationism, of seeing, okay, if there's disease in one part, perhaps you had an infection on your arm, and just looking at treating the infection on the arm and not thinking about mechanically how that might affect the rest of the body, the lymphatic influence it might have, 
how the toxins present through that infection would persist through the hole and how the treatment of them would then affect the health in the hole. Maybe that one's a little more obvious to think about how an infection might affect a person systemically or overall throughout their whole body. We sometimes think about lung disease and just look at the impact locally in the lungs, but not how the change in respiratory rate might affect the diaphragm or the accessory muscles of respiration and how that impact changes not only the metabolic rate, but the communication for the nerves that impact those muscles, which have overlap with organ systems in different areas of the body, and how just mechanically that shift or that faster respiratory rate changes the ability to have normal oxygenation and blood flow diffusely throughout the body. Certainly, in osteopathic medicine, we think of the musculoskeletal system more frequently as a point of access and a point of assessment. And it's important to note how those slips and falls and bumps and bruises that we see manifest very clearly, perhaps again on a bruise on your bottom. If you took a spill when you were testing out cross-country skiing for the first time in a decade, and it's easy to see how that impacted you locally. You have a sore spot and it's hard to sit comfortably but also that shock through the system you know, sends waves to all levels, going down into the lower extremities and going upward into all the pelvic organs and affecting digestion or bladder output. It also affects us longer term. Again, when there's just that blunted movement in the system, it can make it harder for us to overcome infection. And I talked a little bit about last week when I became ill and looking back, realized I'd taken a spill down the stairs. And so those exposures to the germs of the cold and flu season probably actually affected me on a deeper level because I wasn't at my fullest capacity to overcome them because my health had been compromised by this musculoskeletal impact. But it was my respiratory system and that took the brunt of the manifestation of an illness shortly following. Those are a number of diverse and somewhat scattered, to be fair, examples of how nothing in the human body can happen in isolation. And we can think of that on the gross scale, those big picture items, those slips and falls, but also on a micro scale, on a cellular level. You know, there's communication happening at a frequency and, you know, on a level deeper the way you can really sometimes even wrap our head around. And when there's disease happening in any part of the body, it's impacting those levels of communication through the neuroendocrine immune system and changing our genetic mapping you know, as time unfolds and that environment is affected by various levels of illness or disease. And so it's critically important to consider whenever there's any exposure and we're taking a history from a patient, that these things that sometimes are mentioned in passing and sometimes take a little extra time to dig deeper and understand their significance in the context of the greater story of that person and the greater story of their physiology and pathophysiology and manifestations of both disease and health, 
that it does require a little more nuance and respect of the power of impact globally within the body. And that's one vantage point that we take from this principle. And hopefully one where we can see how it's very possible to be osteopathic in thinking, in analysis, in evaluation, in application of these principles, and in treatment of our patients without ever even laying hands on the patient or applying osteopathic manipulative treatment, as oftentimes we tend to try to box ourselves into. You know, this osteopathic concept isn't relevant to me because I don't use OMT or osteopathic manipulative treatment. And I would say, yes, yes, it is, because you can apply this principle of body unity if you only applied that to the care of your patients and even to the consideration of yourself. You would be implementing osteopathic philosophy in a way that is meaningful and will elevate the care of your patients if you are an osteopathic physician, and it will improve your awareness of self and health of self, of family, of community by considering that impact that can be felt systemically in your body when there's an issue in any system. Directly from this statement, we also see the person is a unit of body, mind, and spirit. So we've discussed already how there's an impact globally within the body when there's disease or a negative influence anywhere. And the same is true. We can expand that to see how disease present in any one of those three, body, mind, or spirit, will influence the others. We aren't well or healthy in any of those without some impact on the others, and we certainly can't have disorder or disease or dysfunction in body, mind, or spirit without having some impact on the other two. And there was a point in my life I was keeping a journal and I would keep a little pie chart at the bottom and I would kind of do a little end-of-day analysis on body, mind, and spirit. And I tried to approach it from the health concept of what's the health of each of those and kind of see where perhaps I'd either invested more of my time, body, mind, or spirit, or where I could note an improved expression of health in one of those. If I had a particularly good workout or a particularly good rejuvenation, rest, and stretching moment, perhaps body took more of that pie chart. Um, And I would see that it would take away from the other two. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. You know, if it is that it's a finite amount and we have to move, you know, that wheel accordingly, or if you can practice more of an abundance mindset and just see it as a shifting you know, perhaps a more fluid scale where health of one certainly impacts the other two, but not necessarily in a direct taking away fashion. There are concepts of homeostasis and allostasis, noting that we have so much capacity, you know, for negative impact and something eventually tips the scales. And those insults can come in any of those three. Again, we might have had the slip and fall in combination with increased stress affecting our mind, and then spirit, we get depressed or anxious, and ultimately the disease manifests back in the body, you know, so we have a double whammy on that arm of it. And I think it's important to keep a wide lens and appreciate that you might experience those negative impacts on any of the three, 
but know that there's this definite rebound effect. And, you know, if your mind is starting to feel unsupported or stressed um, or overwhelmed, eventually your body is probably going to start to raise a flag asking for help. You know, if we're not doing the things that rejuvenate us in spirit, um, you know, journaling or reaching out in community or singing or engaging with others, whatever is meaningful for you, as that starts to become depleted, it makes, again, those minor insults that might have affected your body's health negatively no longer able to be overcome because you don't have the reserves. You know, we can only spend so much time and energy and attention staying well. And if we keep having negative insults on any of those levels, it'll eventually take us down. And so my goal in keeping that pie chart in my journal was to note, and if there was a trend and I was consistently rejuvenating one portion, and for me, that was often body. You know, as a longtime athlete, I was often good at giving myself that input or outlet um, for physical activity, but sometimes neglected, you know, some of maybe the spirit piece. And then also began to realize, too, some of those inputs or outlets for my body might have been too much. You know, I was doing so much to overcompensate in that arena was actually overwhelming and not a beneficial or rejuvenating opportunity for my physical body. So by shifting that and becoming a little more relaxed in that arena or changing the intensity and making more time for reading and writing in these podcasts, um, I could bring more health to the picture through the mind without taxing the body and make improvements. And so I think it's great to consider, again, as an individual for ourselves, what is the impact of body, mind, and spirit? Can we look back on a time when we got ill and trace it to lack of reserves or insults on levels that weren't clearly physical or physiological, but maybe mental or spiritual taxations that we weren't addressing and we weren't properly investing in or vice versa? You know, had we gotten sick and that allowed us to kind of neglect some of that spiritual rejuvenation as well. You know, it can have a compounding effect where getting worse in one area, we don't not only don't support that area, but it makes it harder for us to even have the wherewithal to support ourselves mentally or spiritually. And so it diversifies our approach and also gives us the capacity for some options for how to best serve ourselves. I suffered a major physical injury this summer. And so again, those typical outlets for me of exercise to support my mental health had to shift. I was literally not allowed to walk more than two blocks. And for a person who had worked out you know, at least an hour or two a day, most days of the week, most weeks of the year, most years of her life, you know, I had to get creative and tap into some of those artistic outlets for myself and connections and community to try to keep that up, you know, and support myself in another way. And I think, again, as an osteopathic physician, it gives us opportunity to hear in our patients and it requires for us to really respect that what we might want to make a change that to us is very clear medically and physiologically and physically you know, someone's blood sugar is going up. We need them to bring that down and make these changes. But we have to know 
are they mentally and spiritually ready and capable to make this change? There's a lot of talk in medicine and revisiting of the ACEs study, adverse childhood events. And I'm grateful because it is putting us on a global scale in medicine on that examination of the whole person and recognizing that if people aren't mentally and spiritually supported and capable and educated and empowered, they can't make these changes that we can see very clearly are necessary for the health of their body. And so it is up to us to have that broader perspective for their sake in order for our treatments to be accepted and implemented appropriately. And again, opportunity to be very osteopathic without ever applying hands-on treatment to a patient. And to be very clear, I'm not discounting the role of a physical examination in the palpatory exam that can come with osteopathic evaluation, nor am I discounting the merits of applying osteopathic manipulative treatment. But I want to make very clear that we can be very osteopathic and more effective in our care by holding this concept of unity of body, mind, and spirit and applying it to the assessment and to the engagement with and the treatment of our patients. I'd like to expand this even further, and clearly we could discuss this for days and months and in all avenues for patient care, and I hope we will. I hope that's what this stimulates food for thought and thoughts to be shared and explored and challenged and experimented with and utilized with our patient care. But I also had the opportunity to give a talk recently in my clinic about the importance of connection in community. And it was mind-boggling to me when I was doing research to prepare this lecture um, of looking at the word community as common unity. And that may sound ridiculous, and I like to think, surely you thought of it that way before, and maybe I did, but not overtly, not consciously, and maybe not as clearly as I did in that moment when I saw it written in those simple two-worded breakdown. And I like to think of this example. I was living in England for a while, and we drove past this race course pretty often. Anytime we kind of left our area near London and went out into the country to visit my um, now husband's family, we drove past this racetrack that said center of course, which as I say it makes a lot of sense. There was an arrow, and it said center of course, meaning if you drove down this way, you would get to the center of the course. And being that it was a race course, that made perfect sense. But I kid you not, for the better part of a year, every time we drove by it, I thought, that's such a goofy sign. Like it's saying center, of course. And I thought maybe it was just silly British humor and I didn't get it. Until one day, you know, I just saw it slightly differently. And I thought, center, of course. Like, of course. And when I saw community written in the breakdown of common and unity, I thought, well, how brilliant. Of course, it can change exactly how we look at community and completely you know, revolutionize how we look at community. And so if you've always had this concept in your head, amazing. And I hope you continue to hold that and grow from it. And if it's also the first time you're hearing it, 
I encourage you to join me at this amazing opportunity to expand that concept of community through looking at our common unity and the threads that bind us. And to me, the truest expression of osteopathy is recognizing that we are one in health. You know, we are one with the universe. We are one with each other. We are united by our humanity and our relationship with ourselves, our families, our communities, our state, our region, our nation, our worlds, you know, with the land, the sea, the air, we're all part of it. And that ripple effects in that idea of impact that we have both when we're well and when we're ill, you know, it's never just us. And, you know, I was sick all last weekend and there were the basics of recognizing I was sick and I really didn't want to expose my family to the germs of being sick uh, because it was miserable and I wouldn't wish that on them. And it also affected our engagement for that weekend. You know, I lost a number of days of time of being with them and, and the opportunity to snuggle my children and participate in activities we'd often share together on the weekends. And, you know, it may have affected how my kids viewed me. You know, it's sometimes scary as a kid to see your parent is sick and you start to imagine all kinds of crazy things. Um, and it changed the task load for what my husband had to carry for the weekend and for the community I'm responsible for. And these are all more in a negative way, but it also showed that there was positive opportunity because they supported me. They, you know, kept their space, but provided support and nurturing and cups of tea. And they, you know, took up the load and carried some of the responsibilities I had um, to manage my clinic. And so they became my support of mind and spirit, you know, when I had to devote all of my personal healing to my body in that weekend. So we were connected in sickness and in health through that experience and were able to both, you know, help each other and likely had a little bit of negative influence um, together from that experience. But we moved together through this kind of homeostasis and allostatic balance. And the same is true on a broader scale. You know, it was fascinating to me looking at the research about, you know, the merits of community connection and seeing that being connected in community and feeling that you're a part of something and that you have a reliable support structure is actually has a greater impact on your health than exercise and nutrition and smoking, you know, in things that we preach and prioritize and certainly have importance, but without connection and community around us, our capacity for health is tremendously muted. And again, to me, I see there's nothing but opportunity as an osteopathic physician to illustrate that for my patients, to educate them on that importance, to help them cultivate that community and you know, tonight in the clinic where I work, we create Friday family fun nights and we just hold space for people to come together and share time and bring their kids and dance around in our movement studio and prepare healthy and nutritious food together and just be, you know, sometimes life gets chaotic, 
And it can be nice sometimes to come together and find something in common, common unity with others, be it geographically or intentionally or based on values or beliefs or goals or curiosities. Um, and hopefully continue to expand that concept. You know, there can be a common thread, likely with anyone, if we can find it and are willing to look. And it doesn't always have to be proximal. You know, there's merit in being connected to people just in knowledge and in your heart. You know, hopefully we can think of a friend who we might not have seen for years or talked to in years, but we know when we need to, we could, you know, pick up the phone and call them and pick up where we left off and share our concerns and feel supported. And I do hope that's true for many of us, but recognize that it might not be. Um, Studies have shown that the most common number when asked, how many friends do you have that you could go to with a major problem? The most common reported number is zero. And that's a problem. And so creating connection and community is a true necessity for optimizing health. And as an osteopathic physician, we should be all about the health and acknowledging that concept of unity, again, is within the patient, is amongst the body, mind, and spirit for the patient and expands, I would challenge, beyond the patient into their community on any variety of levels. And we can choose to see that as overwhelming, so much to manage, all these things to consider, or as opportunity. Man, I'm really struggling to get this patient's blood sugar under control. If we can take a pause and take a brief step back and see if it's not necessarily right now about the carbohydrate measurement, which it needs to be, but it's about them feeling supported or empowered or challenged by the food culture of their family or their community to make these changes, they feel so overwhelming. And if we can take a brief moment and acknowledge that, help them identify who their support system might be, we might have a way better chance of improving their glycemic control by getting some of those foundational pieces in place than we would just saying, here's your number now, here's where it needs to be, here's some ways you can get there. And I think it could be so powerful to really carry these concepts with us you know, into every patient encounter. And it doesn't mean we have to spend forever in a day taking a history and delving into the treatment plan, but I think there are these critical moments and opportunities where we can make a big difference by keeping that broader concept in holding unity sacred for them, within them, among them, around them, and for ourselves. You know, it's important, especially as a physician, when you're spending so much of your time giving to others and promoting their health, to have yours get lost in the shuffle or in the noise of all that you're trying to manage and learn and teach and so to recognize those needs for ourself internally in our body, between our body, mind, and spirit, and with ourselves and our community. What common unities do we have? What give us credit for the ones that are going well, that are robust and supported? And maybe look for some 
that could use some bolstering where we could spend a little bit of time cultivating and nurturing and create a better support system for ourselves so we have more to give to others. And the concept of physician wellness and addressing burnout comes up a lot. And we often feel like it's another level of burden and it's a band-aid on a gaping wound. And I tend to agree, but I also think we do need to find those opportunities in our daily lives and hopefully start to force some institutional reform so that cultural health in medical institutions and practices and you know the execution of healthcare delivery supports that idea of common unity, that we're in it together, that we're helping each other, and that we have the opportunity to have this ripple effect and hopefully to have that effect in a positive fashion. You know, there's this concept of three degrees um, of effectiveness of happiness or of compassion where a kind act for a person extends three degrees out from that person. So you might see a patient and by taking this one extra moment and highlighting for them, you know, the fact that you recognize the challenges of implementing this care plan you've established and acknowledging with them where their strength lies in tending to their body, mind, and spirit or where their benefits are in their community or where they might need to bolster them might change their mentality. And automatically, that sense of compassion and of being seen and heard as an individual in the context of humanity will allow them to then extend that kindness and consideration to the next person they engage with. And that extends out for three degrees. So their husband's sister's boss's friend will be impacted by that act of compassion. And it can often feel like our efforts are futile. You know, how is it enough? You know, there's so much chronic disease and the expenditure of healthcare costs happening. How is one physician trying to wage a battle against that? And I would say this is how, with that ripple effect, by elevating the level of care you give to your patients by applying this osteopathic concept, improving the care for them, and naturally it will start to ripple out. And let's all work together so that those ripples are carrying a message of positivity and we're helping ourselves along the way. So join with me as we celebrate this new vantage point of common unity looking at community around us, within us, of our body, mind, and spirit, of all the systems of our body, and see how we can't utilize the osteopathic concept for the best health of ourself, our family, our community, and the world. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to meeting again next time as we continue to explore the tenets of osteopathy through the context of this osteopathic life. This is Dr. Beaky. Thank you for listening.